clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. kind of you're like welcome in everyone so i wanted to do it too we should do like a bunch of different types of openings where you're we're like different so that, that was the batman one but we can do like the the npr one like welcome in the simultaneous sketch how are we doing Adam, today just stop what you're doing yeah honestly partially it's because i'm looking at the audio and it's all over the place but who cares welcome to the show folks <laughs> it's been a crazy first five weeks of the nfl we only have one undefeated team we've got no uh, winless teams and we've got teams at three and two and two and three galore uh there's a lot of parity in the nfl right now and i had said that was going to happen and look at it's happening i'm a genius not really because i'm wow losing a lot of fantasy football regardless let's get into the show folks i don't remember friends fortune last week that's i'm a bad host did we do we did French Fortune last don't week? Even, oh, I don't yeah, think that we, we did. did. We did because mine didn't. Mine was disqualified because Keenan Allen didn't play. Oh, that's right. And then I, I, I don't remember. What I you said, said I said the. Yeah, I don't remember. I said it's fine. I probably got it wrong anyway. So let's just get right into rant rave recall. Do you want to start? Or would you like me to start? Uh, I can start. I'm gonna rave. This is kind of low hanging fruit in a way, but uh, something that we haven't talked about. I think almost at all, maybe after week one, but I need to rave right now about a quarterback that has just turned some things around and has lit it up. And, you know, I think people don't care that much, or I don't want to say don't care that much, but it's just a team that was coming off the drama that it occurred in the offseason. No one, I don't want to say no one, because somebody out there in the world has, but we have not given love to Geno Smith this year. And it is so very deserved. He's coming off a game uh, in in New Orleans where they did lose the game, but he threw for almost 270 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. This guy on the year is thrown for 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, and two interceptions. This guy is crushing it for a team that we all automatically thought as soon as Russell left, we said, put them at the number one pick slot. Because this is a guy, and and I was Team Drew Lock. I will. I we both. I, I think we both were. I I really thought they were going to go Drew Lock too. Drew Lock also looked pretty okay in the preseason. Well, I thought it was I, close. That's the thing, and that's what makes this story so good. Because 
obviously Seattle probably had some tempered expectations. You always go out there to win the game, right? But I'm sure they had some tempered expectations. But in the Russell Wilson trade, they traded for a quarterback for a reason. To think that this is going to be the guy that we're going to implant. I sincerely believe that that was the plan when they acquired Drew Locke. Uh, Pete Carroll came out and talked about it. He loved Drew Locke coming out in the draft a couple years ago. He said if he was coming out this year, he'd be one of the top guys. He was pumping this guy up because I sincerely think he wanted and expected that he was going to have Drew Locke under center starting the year. But, you know, some things came out and it happened one way or the other. Like you said, Drew Locke didn't play poorly in the preseason. I also don't think that Geno Smith played particularly well. I think there was obviously with the truncated preseason being three games instead of four and whatnot, I think it really did hurt Drew Locke when he was on the COVID list and didn't get to play that game, which he was slated to start. And I said, that's going to, that seals the deal right there. It's Geno Smith's job. But all of that be, be thrown away, throw it out because Geno Smith, whether or not you like this team or you think it's exciting or whatnot, Geno Smith is performing extremely well. And for a team that we didn't give many opportunities to be well, like I said, I was in that slot of being like, well, they're tanking. They're going to go for the the pool of quarterbacks that in, in next year's draft. And they still very well, maybe. I mean, like they're still losing some games. Uh, but I think this team is playing pretty darn well and playing above expectations. So not only do I think it's a little bit of Geno Smith, but I also have to tip my cap to Pete Carroll, which is a coach that often gets... Uh, he catches a lot of flack, for sure. He does sure. catch a lot of flack, but I think he's having these guys play up to something that is a little above what we expected. I don't even say I would agree bit. with that. I no, I would agree with that. Expected. Yeah. So, uh, well, I haven't, I haven't given the Seahawks props yet this year, but I think it, it deserves it now because... They're playing with a lot of heart, and honestly, they're not losing because of Geno Smith and their offense. Their defense, uh, which is a lot of young pieces that are still working together and gelling, and they have had a lot of different parts leave and whatnot, but they're they're doing really, really well. And so, Yeah, I mean, Geno's been amazing, and I mean, I talk about Mina Kimes on the show a lot because she's one of my favorite people on ESPN and also Twitter followers. She's all over the fact that if you would have told me that we would have traded uh, Russell Wilson and still ended up with the best quarterback between <laughs> the, him and Geno Smith. I wouldn't have believed you. But the, right now, that's true. I don't know if it's true throughout. But I I think right now, absolutely, it's true. So I'm glad I'm glad to give him props to, to Geno. Uh, so I'm going to rave, too. This is a rave, rave episode. I'm leaving. Regardless, I'm going to rave about one of our, our, our show favorites, Justin Tucker. Ooh. So, you know, we, we, I feel like in the grand scheme that is NFL podcasts, we're very, very pro kicker here, I would say. <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about kickers on this show. We've also talked a lot about Justin Tucker. And I believe the, the last rave I had about a kicker was Evan McPherson in the playoffs. But right now, let's talk about Justin Tucker against those Bengals. He now has 61 consecutive field goals in the fourth quarter and overtime. 27 of those field goals are from 40-plus yards. That's insane. But let's go even deeper here. 18 of 18 in the final minute of the fourth quarter or overtime in his entire NFL career. 18 of 18 in fourth quarter or overtime in the final minute. He does not miss game-winning kicks. Ever. He's never done it. Justin Tucker's never missed a game-winning kick. That's an insane statement to be able to say. 
Now, let's go even crazier. Let's get math involved because you know Adam loves it when math's involved. Next, so gen, good at math. next gen stats have the y coordinate, stay with me, that is the width of the field goal, right? The width of the field, okay? The y coordinate where Justin Tucker's kick crossed the threshold of the field goal was at 26.52, okay? The middle of the NFL football field is 26.67. That means that if the field goal posts were only a half a yard wide, Justin Tucker's game-winning field goal still would have been good. <laughs> the most insane thing in the world. He's just so good. He's so fun. He's so humble. We've talked about it before, about him being an opera major in college, which is so much fun. And in the interview, I, I think you had also pointed it out, where or you had pointed it out when it was like, that's the first time I heard somebody say game-winning snap because he was like, it's his first career game-winning hold. And then he talked us through the process. He gave props to the, the whole machine that leads to a good field goal, especially a game-winning one at the end of a game. It was awesome. Uh, he's just a great guy, and I really, really love um, Justin Tucker. Yeah, very much deserved, I think. I think it's the he's the best kicker in NFL history. Uh, I would welcome anybody to debate that. Uh, I think they'd be incorrect. But, uh, you know, I think he, he is a fun blend of, of humble and yet obviously the best at what he does. I mean, he put his arms up. It was something that we both liked. He put his arms up and did his pose before the kick even went through. Like, he knew that he got it. So, I mean, like, he obviously knows he's extremely good. But he also is, I mean, like, he could have been like, yeah, like, I did that. But you were talking about how he gives props and credits to everybody. And I know that he holds that special teams to a very high level or expectation. So, I mean, he puts in the work to, to do so. And so that is uh, a rant or a rave well-deserved. Absolutely. All right, so let's transition here. We're going to have our Dallas correspondent, Mike Mikas, join us. So let's get Mike on right here. All right, we're here with our Dallas Cowboy correspondent, Mike Mikas. Mike Mikas, everybody. How we doing, man? Doing great, guys. Happy to be back. Happy to talk some football. Per usual, let's get it. Let's do it. Well, Mike, you uh, have to be pretty happy with how the last month or so has been. Uh, just tell us about what's going through your head after week one, especially after those last few minutes and the news broke pretty quickly after about Dak's uh, impending surgery and where your head is versus now. I was in a bar in Manhattan with Ricky G, also a Cowboys fan, who recently did just get married last weekend, so shout out to Ricky G, and my girlfriend, who was watching her first Cowboys game, oh, her first, like, real, you know, it was her first Cowboys game, she had the CD Lamb, the beautiful 88 Color Rush jersey on, it was, it was looking great, and I was quickly souring as the game was going on, the, the offense was looking out of sorts, there was no Amari Cooper, all I was thinking about, I was like the, um, I think Wolverine laying on the bed looking at the photograph of... <laughs> And I was, I was, I was looking at Amari Cooper and no Tyron Smith. You know, Dak was under pressure the whole time. It was like Dak's worst game since like 2017, maybe even in his entire NFL career. And then he gets injured, and I'm, you know, now, now my my alarms are going off and okay. And then it comes out that he's having surgery, 
and uh, it's for a broken finger. And I immediately think of Russell Wilson, who I thought, wow, he looked so bad after he broke his finger. Now, at least it's good to know it's just that Russell Wilson's not good and it had nothing to do with a broken finger. He's just bad at playing quarterback. So I'm not too worried. I was like, okay, season's over this year. Done. Let's tank. Let's, you know, let's, it, it's over. And now, I think I could say there's only four teams in the NFL right now that should have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Cowboys. God, one of my favorite, Mike, one of, one of my favorite things about you, is, especially when you come on the show, is that you blow by such incredible statements. Like, now that we just know Russell Wilson's not good anymore, and then, oh, now that we're not four teams better than us, I just, it's so much fun. But this is a good, I, the second question's the same, I think, as the first. Uh, it's similar. They're together. So, uh, that's awesome. I that is a beautiful image I have in your in my head now of you and Ricky G and your girl, which is always going to be there for me. I love that. But so now, where's your head at? And with that, what do you think is the number one reason why this team is four and one now? Because I did we talked on the podcast a couple weeks ago about Cooper Rush and how great that he's been. And you know, we said, is it stupid to ask the question? And you had texted me and said, yes, it's stupid to ask that question. But now, like, where's your head at now? Because you just said you think that there's only four other teams better than you. And um, and why do you think this team? What's the number one reason that you guys have been so good? Uh, what's nice is I think of those four teams, I think three of them are AFC teams because the AFC is really dominant this year. And spoiler alert, Adam, I do think the Bills are one of those three teams as well as the Chiefs and the Ravens. Oh, and then yeah. maybe, in the NFC, maybe only the Eagles. Maybe. And I, I don't even know. I don't know if the Eagles are for real, but maybe they are. So I, we might be the fourth best team. Thank God we can find the out reason, this week. The reason, the reason I'm feeling so great, it's because of Dan Quinn, who I was not happy about originally when we, when we picked up Dan Quinn, and because of a draft pick that I famously was very unhappy about. And I've never been happier to be wrong because... We drafted, I think, a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, I really think we can get the gold jacket already ready for Micah Parsons. And I'm not even being funny. The Cowboys have the best player in the entire NFL if we're not judging by positional value on their roster. And it's Micah Parsons. He's, he's, he's the best in the NFL, like, in pure talent. If we're ignoring the quarterbacks are the most important position, and even if we factor in quarterbacks, I might only be taking, like, Allen, Mahomes, Lamar, and that, like, might be it. And then it's, like, Micah and Aaron Donald. And, you, like, right there, number 11, ah, <laughs> it's the best defense in the league. It's right there with the 49ers. It's one of those two. And then I think the Bucks and the Bills are right there. We're holding teams to 14.5 points per game. No team has scored more than one touchdown against us. And three of those five games are against three of the last four teams to be in the Super Bowl. The Bucks, the Rams, and the Bengals. We decimated the Rams, and then we also decimated the four and one Giants. It's their only loss. We have we have taken offenses that should be expected to be very good offenses, and made them look rather pedestrian. And that's why I'm excited for this matchup with the Eagles because the Eagles have had a really good offense, but they've been playing the Jaguars, which I don't know if we're running home about the Jags. They played the Lions. Uh, I don't know if we're running home about that defense. They played the Cardinals. That's not really a good team. They're pretty bad. So what is this defense going to look like against Jalen Hurts and, and that Eagles offense? I'm, I'm very excited to see it you know, put to the test. Well, I, it takes, uh, it takes a, a big man to admit 
that you were wrong about Micah Parsons. So we appreciate that. Um, you're not. It's not going to be a good. It's not going to be a tough argument to convince Josh and I about how good our PSU guy Micah Parsons is. That's for sure. Uh, but I wouldn't bring up Aaron Donald with Josh. Josh isn't as high on Aaron Donald as most people are. But that's just because I. I, I think I would agree with you that I don't think he's the player that he used to be. But regardless, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love Dan Quinn, too. I don't know how Josh feels. Yeah, I mean, I was always in favor of Dan Quinn being a great defensive coordinator, so no, no point there. I always thought he was a great defensive coordinator with Seattle, but then I felt like once he went to Atlanta, Atlanta never had a good defense for, like, any of the time that he was in Atlanta. I think maybe the 2016 year was the only time that they were a top-10 defense, and it was like each year the defense regressed more and more and more. And so I'm just like... I was very nervous that maybe after being a head coach that he might not be able to go the, the same uh, effect to our defensive scheme, but the scheme has worked magically. And I we, honestly, it's crazy, but I, I think we actually got lucky last year with D-Law breaking his foot in week one because it forced them to get creative and, and let Micah rush the, uh, the passer. Because Micah was drafted as an off-ball linebacker, and that's why I was so upset about the pick. And it's just very rare that when you draft an off-ball linebacker that you discover that they have pass rushing abilities of Lawrence Taylor like by chance so we got very lucky in that regard and now that we know that he's like you know weapon X for every other sure. game but, sure uh, yeah. yeah yeah so I totally with you on Micah Parsons and Dan Quinn for sure um I, I I think I would agree with you I think it is important to highlight Cooper Rush and I don't think that you you're not I but I think you're on the right track here but that speaking of Cooper Rush uh we also I actually don't think we know quite yet about Dak Prescott so you can tell us about that about the status for this week but also when do you expect him to be back if it's not this week and when he's back what's a reasonable expectation for him like what do you respect I guess what do you expect and what's reasonable may not be the same I don't know how you're thinking um but like what 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 do you expect when Dak comes back so I I will say originally I texted you right away when you said is it dumb to you know ask if Cooper Rush should be competing for this job. I think Cooper Rush could be Philly thirty five to seven this week and Dak should be the starter like the next day. Like it's not even it's not even a debate. There's really no question in my body in my brain. Cooper Rush is not an ounce of the quarterback that Florida is. It's it's not close. Now what I'm hearing about Dak and I actually there's a really good Twitter follower who who has an inside source inside that stadium and an inside source with Dak, and I think with Dak's family is actually what it is. But he's pretty much been on track with anything that's ever been related to Dak's health. Uh, he knew all about the ankle. He knew about the second surgery. He knew about the shoulder. And uh, he says that there's about a 20 to 25% chance that Dak's going to play this week. McCarthy was pretty adamant that he wanted Dak to go through a full week of practice. Today was the first day that Dak went through limited. He was limited at practice, say, for the first time. So it's the first time that he wasn't just a, a DNP. He did not take reps with the first team. Uh, but apparently the ball is whipping out of Dak's hand. It's looking good. And McCarthy's pretty good. All he cares about, it's not really up to the players. It's just up to the numbers. When Dak throws the ball now, what do the numbers show in terms of velocity and you know uh, how hard the ball's being thrown in, as compared to when he's healthy? If the numbers are the same, then they'll go, okay, Dak is cleared and good to go. But I, I do think there is an idea and a sentiment that they might want to not bring Dak back this week because big divisional opponent and he'll ha he'll – I think if you bring Dak back this week, I really like our chance against the, against the Eagles. But it would be crazy for me to say that, like, the optics could look bad if Dak comes back 
and then we lose to the Eagles, which, granted, it's just as likely, if not more likely, that Cooper Rush could lose to the Eagles. But Cooper Rush was on a four-game winning streak, and then our only two losses of the year against the two best opponents that we played are against the Bucks, and the Eagles are back under center. Maybe give it one more week if Cooper Rush gets lucky and we win one more with him. Great. Wow, Dak comes back 5-1, and one, and he gets to start with the Lions and then the Bears as his next two opponents. Those are really kind of like layup first opponents back. But I'm thinking about a 20% chance. I would expect, though, that it's probably Cooper Rush. When Dak returns, he's going to show everybody that he's one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the world. And at this present moment, he's going to show everybody he's the best quarterback in the NFC right now. So. All right, then. <laughs> Cowboys have had the best offense, one of the five best offenses every year since 2019, barring the year that Dak broke his ankle in Week 5. Last year, they had the number one scoring offense, and that was with Dak kind of having a slower, rockier second half of the season, they still were the number one scoring offense. Uh, it's going to continue when he returns, especially if Kellen calls a game that puts him in an advantageous situation and, and doesn't uh, force it so much. Week one was a really poorly called game, and Dak didn't execute. Nobody executed. But the game script that Kellen's been calling with Cooper Rush has been nice, and I like the balance between the pass and the run that they, you know, implemented you give Dak that with a little bit more juice a little bit more fun a little bit more flair like you can let him pass the ball more than 16 times he's gonna throw for more than 102 yards but you know a nice 25 to 30 passes a game uh 17 to 21 rushes split pretty evenly between Zeke and Pollard I really like that script Dallas being back that receiving core is gonna look a lot better Jason Peters probably back this week the line the the rookie they drafted Tyler Smith has kind of been a revelation I love tackle he's been really excellent and honestly should be in talks for rookie of the year from the offense uh, no lineman will ever win rookie of the year for an offensive player but he's been he's been really dominant against some really tough opponents and I don't know I think I think the offense is going to be really humming once Dak comes back I'm, I'm very excited okay okay uh yeah I mean that that all sounds sounds good to me eh? I think we got one more question for you before we transition and do some of the pick stuff here. Um, Josh, last question. Got it? So Mike, so, Mike, we know that you famously pump up your Cowboys, rightfully so. You're a diehard fan. But even with that being said, what is the weakness on this team that's still uh, a little bit worrisome going on uh, as we enter week six and beyond? It's, it's the wide receiver room. It has to be. When you have a wide receiver room that previously has Amari Cooper, who I think is a pretty clear-cut number one, with CeeDee Lamb, who's blossomed into being a, a clear-cut number one, and Michael Gallup, that's a really nice, nice room. I really like Lamb, Gallup, and uh, Noah Brown Like as a trio. I think that's a solid trio. It's not an awful... It's, it's, you know, it's an upper-half trio of receivers. What we're really missing is we're lacking speed on the offense. None of our players are really, you, you know, you, you look at the Miami offense and, and what makes it so effective. Whether, whether there were questions about Tua as a quarterback or not, speed kills. And if you give a, if you give a quarterback two receivers that run four three forties, you just you really open up your playbook and you can have such a more dynamic offense. So the receiver room concerns me. And, you know, this should be for every team always. But health of our players, like, obviously, if Dak is not 100%, if – you know, linemen go down. The Rams have been struggling with that. The Bengals struggling with that. Like, good teams, you know, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. We saw Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, And he put on one of the best performances I've ever seen by a quarterback in a loss where they scored only 10 points. But, like, when you're fighting for your life out there and, and under pressure every snap, 
there's nothing you can really expect, even if you're a top flight, like number one quarterback in the league type of guy. So health of the line, health of the players, the receiver room, the play calling. Like I, I hope Kellen, I, I, like I said earlier, I've been pleased with the way he's been calling the games the last few weeks. Uh, and I hope that that continues. Um, and it's not totally a concern on the team, but the, the easiest path to be in, getting to a Super Bowl is having a bye. Skipping the wild card week and then you just have to win two games. They would just have to win one game to get further than they've ever been in my lifetime. They would just have to win a divisional round and that's it. And right now, this game especially is so important because the Eagles are on track for the NFC bye. But if we beat the Eagles, Dallas would be in a position that they would have the second best odds at getting the bye week uh, and winning the NFC. The Packers have slipped up. The Bucks have kind of slipped up. The Rams don't look formidable. Vikings are, you know, I'm not sure. I, they're 4-1, them and the Giants, but I'm, I'm just not buying it. The Eagles have a really cupcake kind of schedule going forward, so a loss here against us would be huge, and a loss for us against the Eagles would really make it tough for us to um, overcome the Eagles, despite us kind of having what looks like a pretty favorable schedule with the NFC North coming up. And, you know, the only real difficult opponent we have the rest of the way is kind of the Packers, I would say. The Vikings maybe, but... That's sure. it. I mean, sure. so I, you know, it, the, it's really important to our our success, our postseason possibilities. Is is people don't understand how valuable the ones it is. It's it's sure. really having that bias so valuable. I think people always talk about like, oh, that one week off, you know, that lack of, you know, some teams they they have the momentum because they played a wild card week and you know they're not rusty or whatever. I hear that and I get it. And the last two times the Cowboys have had a bye, it, it has affected them. But I just. I, I know what the numbers are and I know the odds. There's a reason like why Manning and Brady made it to so many Super Bowls. It's because almost always they had a bye when they did it. Why Pat Mahomes is going to be making a lot of Super Bowls and Josh Allen is going to make a lot of Super Bowls in their career, they're going to have buys. It's just with the new with the new system in place, wow. only one as opposed to how it used to. There used to be two. It made it a lot easier to get to get into the Super Bowl because sure. you, you had a buy for the top two teams. Now, now that buy is so essential. So it's, yes, it's not it's even true. something that I... I think with the team that I'm worried about, but it's just something in the league. If we just go, well, we'll throw Cooper Rush out there, Dak might be ready, but, you know, this game doesn't matter. We're playing with house money anyway. We already won four games, and two of them we didn't expect to. You know, you might be, like, being like, well, we're just accepting that we're going to be in the wild card, and you're accepting that you're making your chances, your path to the Super Bowl, so much harder. So, I don't sure. know. Sure, sure, yeah. No, well, hey, I love any sentence that says the Bills are going to be in a lot of Super Bowls. Um, so, <laughs> rounding out rounding out our, our time with you here, uh, tradition of all of our guests, we had our first guest of the year, Ian, do it a couple weeks ago. So, we're going to go through these four games here. Um, on the show doc that I gave Josh, we're going to go reverse order because I would like to end Dallas-Philly, but the text I sent you, I believe, is in the correct order. So, we're going to go to Green Bay, the quote-unquote only real tough team that the Dallas Cowboys have left on their schedule, uh, facing the upstart New York Giants. Um, our mutual friend of our, our New York Jets, God, cheese them, crow. Cut the show. It's over. We suck. Uh, the New York Jets, excuse me, uh, a, a friend of ours, uh, Jack Bayless from college and another guest that Josh and I have had on show, Allie, uh, New York Jets fans, three and two facing the Green Bay Packers. So I said the Packers were a possible great team. It's only out of just, I'm just giving respect to Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I think the Packers are great. Again, they just blew a big lead to the New York Giants, who I do not think 
is a good team, despite Brian Dabble, Dabble being one of the, the coach of the year candidates, I think, this year. But with that being said, I want to pick the Jets so bad. I think the Jets are fun. They're frisky. They, like you said, they're an upstart team. I like the kind of swagger, the energy they're playing with. But the Packers just blew a big game against the Giants. I think you're going to get a really piss off Aaron Rodgers with not oh, a rookie yeah. quarterback, but what feels like a rookie quarterback for the Jets going into Green Bay. Uh, I just... You know, I do think that the coming from London and not really like it, it is like a shorter week because that whole travel I think will affect that team, the Packers. I don't think the Packers cover. I think the line is like eight and a half. But give me the Packers to win twenty-one seventeen. I'll take I'll take Packers in that game. Okay, I think Josh is nodding in appreciation. Um, second second game we got for here the secondary team josh's dad's team uh the vikings are traveling to the dolphins i believe it is confirmed i will check with the dolphins fan here that skylar thompson is going to start this game um and so we've got the four one vikings who you have some questions about facing the undraft no is it the seventh, seventh round pick josh I was gonna say I think undrafted or seventh round, regardless of it is, uh Skylar Thompson in the Dolphins. I would have comfortably picked the Dolphins with a healthy Tua, and I might even pick them with Teddy. I hate picking the Vikings because they've given me hardly any reason to believe in them. They almost lost to the Lions, they almost blew it to the Bears last week. Like I just I'm not they don't instill any confidence in me. Uh is this game at one o'clock? Do we know is this a one o'clock game? I believe so, yes. I, yeah, so Kirk Cousins at 1 o'clock, pretty lethal, I guess. Um, yeah, if there's a third-string quarterback in Miami, uh, I can't I can't in good faith pick the Dolphins. Give me the Vikings 24-14. He was a seventh-round pick. He was a seventh-round pick. Okay, uh, before we get to your game, let's go to my game. Possibly, you know what? I, I don't know which one would be more of a marquee matchup. I think they're both equally weighted, uh, my game and your game. But the Buffalo Bills heading to Kansas City, to both 4-1 teams, two of the tops in their conference in the NFL, a, a fourth-time rematch. I don't know what you call that. Um, it's not a three-peat, but a quintuple peat or whatever, regardless uh, no, quintuple's five. It's like quadrupeat. Whatever. It doesn't matter. So, the Bills last year did beat KC and then obviously lost in the playoffs. And Josh has a theory about this. And we talked about it on the show that the team that wins in the regular season normally loses in the postseason. So, tell us who's winning in the regular season this year. I think this is going to be maybe for – and it's unfortunate because if it was Dak playing on Sunday night, this would be the best back-to-back primetime game, I think, maybe of the year. The 5-1 and one, or 4-1 and one, uh, Dallas versus 5-0 Philly right after Buffalo and KC both with one loss. I mean, it, it might – it would have been the best. It still could be. I don't know. It's still a uh, nice. Man, this, this game is going to be so great. You have the two best quarterbacks in the world, and honestly, when the guy in Buffalo is playing at his, his best – I think he is the apex predator of the league. Like I think, I think Peak Allen is better than Peak Mahomes. But I'll take normal Mahomes over normal Allen. I would say one and two, it's Mahomes. But when Allen is like at his prime, like oh man, Allen is uh, so fun to watch. Uh, it's like a rematch of one of the best games of last year, one of the best games of the last decade, I think, from that playoff game. Uh, I, think I agree. I'm so excited. Look, I, I until my thing is until I see Buffalo beat Kansas City in like a meaningful scenario like when I see them take it to them in the playoffs and really when I see until I see really anything do that to the Chiefs uh I'm basically resigned to always pick Kansas City they they kind of reached that like Brady Belichick 
Patriots team from like 2014 2014 or 2019 where it's like you would just be foolish to ever bet against the the Patriots from 2014 to 2019. They're only going to lose two to three games a year, so the smart money is just bet them every every week, and you'll be right way more often than not. I think Kelsey's the best we've ever actually seen him play, and I think he's started to make the argument that he's the second greatest tight end ever behind Gronkowski. I think like we're really, I think when all said and done, we're going to really have Kelsey and Gronk as one and two. Okay. Kelsey maybe even number one. I think I think Buffalo being favored feels a little strange. They're in Kansas City. I think that's a little disrespectful in Kansas City. I think it's going to be an amazing game. Give me, give me Kansas City thirty, Buffalo twenty-seven in overtime. Oh. oh, in overtime. Well, listen, I'm I'm okay if it's a good. You know that would be hysterical if that happened. That would be hysterical if that happened. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm okay with that because I believe in Josh, and if Josh's theory is correct, I'm okay that we can beat them in the playoffs. So let's go. Last but not least, Mike Mikas, last thing on the show for this week. Dallas in Philly against the Eagles. Tell us what happens. With Dak, it's no question the Cowboys win 28-21 in, yeah, with like a late touchdown to, to, to make it look more competitive. But really like a 28-14, you know, late Jalen Hurts like scrambled, breakdown, third and eight touchdown or something. But if there's no Dak, I don't know if Cooper Rush can do this another week. He, he barely did it last week against the Rams. He only had 102 yards on 16 attempts, 10 completions. And the Rams are much worse than the Eagles. And yet something tells me, I don't know if this Eagles offense is as incredible <laughs> as it appears right now. And they're going to face the best defense that they're going to see all year right here. This is going to be the best defense they'll see. Cowboys are enjoying being underdogs. They like shutting people up. I could see that defense come swarming. I do think the Eagles O-line versus the Cowboys D-line is like a total like dream for any football nerd. Like what a fun positional matchup that's about to be. Uh, every time that Trevon Diggs has played Philadelphia in his career, he does have an interception. Look for him to get another one. Look for Mike to add on two more sacks to his sack total this year, put him at eight, further cement his defensive player case uh, and defensive player of the year case. And somehow, <laughs> some way, the Cowboys win a 2017 nail bite with a late Brent Maher field goal. who's been one of the un- under-heralded parts of this Cowboys season. He's 14 or 15 on the year after being pretty bad with the Cowboys in his prior stint. He's got like the second best field goal percentage. He's like at 93% right now. Look for him to give some, some late game hello to the 50 plus yarder field goal to walk off and win 2017. Okay. Wow. Hey, hell of a couple of games there that you got predicted there. Josh, you got anything else for Mike? Mike, I'll say if Cooper Rush beats the Philadelphia Eagles, he's staying the starting quarterback. Uh, <laughs> look, if he throws for 450 yards and beats the Philadelphia Eagles, let Dak rest until the bye week. But when Cooper Rush throws for 220 and Tony Pollard and Zeke each get a touchdown and, and Brent Maher gets two field goals, we can, we can put Cooper Rush. He can be the best backup in the league, and I'm totally cool with that. I, I, look, if I was the Broncos or if I was the, the 49ers, I'd be calling about Cooper Rush right now. Like, you, know, you could really improve your quarterback position right now, but he's a, he's, he's a great backup, and that is what he will remain. So I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, Mike, I'm glad I'm I'm glad you're on my side of the Jimmy G debate. That's what we just learned right there. Uh, regardless, Mike, thanks for, thanks for being on the show, man. It's always a great – and yes – uh, maybe maybe down the line when we are preparing for Bills Cowboys possible Super Bowl, we'll get you on for 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 a full episode. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can only hope. 
Um, guys, as always, it was, uh, it was a real pleasure. Uh, enjoy football weekend, and uh, let's go boys, let's go Bills, let's go... I don't know if I can say let's go Packers. Let's go, <laughs> uh, let's, let's go Dolphins. Let's go Dolphins for sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, guys, that was our Dallas Cowboy correspondent, Mike Mikas, with us. All right. We always enjoy when <laughs> we always enjoy when Mike's on the show. He always has great insights. And like I said at the beginning of that, one of my favorite things about Mike is he just drops uh, opinion bombs in the middle of his rants. And you're like, wait, can we go back to the fact that you don't think Russell Wilson's a good quarterback? Or wait, can we go back to the I fact think that you are in that boat right now? Well, I, we could debate that another time. But also just he's like... First ballot Hall of Famer, Micah Parsons, and Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons. I just love how much Mike loves his team. I just think it's great. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, regardless, uh, certainly a lot of, if, if all of Mike's predictions hold true, then we've got a great weekend of football coming through. That's for sure. Uh, but before we get to week six, let's do some week five reactions. If you're looking at the show rundown and you're confused and it says week two reactions, that's because I always forget to update that. But that's wow. fine. Let's react to week. Yeah, I'm the most professional ever. Uh, week five reactions. Let's go favorite game. I'm going to go first. My favorite game was the last game, the Raiders at Kansas City. And I think part of it, and I want to mention this because this is fun, part of it's because of fantasy. We came down to the last <laughs> game in so many different matchups we had, including you, who was in a matchup in the league that we run with some of our friends at the theater. And it came down to you and a guy. I think you were down by 60, I think it was. And we have uh, bonuses for big play touchdowns in our league. And Devontae Adams had two massive big play touchdowns. And that's what it ended up doing for you. And so it was so exciting with that final score. We both cheered. We high-fived. It was super exciting. But all that being said, the game was a blast. It was back and forth. Or I shouldn't even say it was back and forth because – the Raiders jumped out to this huge lead, and then Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes with Travis Kelsey, who, honestly, I don't know if there's ever been a performance that equally exhilarated people and also broke people's hearts, because in terms of fantasy, won so many leagues for people, but in terms of betting, lost so many bets for people who were like three touchdowns, 80 plus yards, because <laughs> he had four touchdowns and don't... I think less than 30 yards, 25. like 24, 25. It's just insane. Never seen a stat like that. It was awesome. The thing I wanted to highlight, one of my favorite games, because it was super exciting, especially the way it ended. But also, this is a good Vegas Raiders team. I've been saying it the last two weeks. This is a very, very good football team. They're just not finishing games. The, the jo Vegas has three of the best players in the NFL right now. Josh Jacobs is third overall in rushing, had his best game of the year. His best game in a while, really. Devonta Adams is eighth in receiving. <laughs> he was there and, two weeks ago. And, Anyways, and Max Crosby is tied with the league lead in sacks, and they're one and four. It, it's 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 insane. This is a good football team. I don't know where they're going to end. I haven't recalled yet them being in the playoffs. I'm obviously on the fence right now because there's the teams like the New York Jets that are sitting at three and two. They could be in there, right? So I don't know how it's all going to play you out. You could not but think that the Vegas Raiders are still going to make the Okay, so there's a difference between saying that I think it's going to happen and I think it could happen. I haven't written them off yet. I know maybe I should, but this is a very good football team. Nobody can look at me and say that they're a bad football team. The talent is there. They are a playoff... How, how, how do you phrase this? They are a playoff talent 
you know what I'm trying to say. They have the They're playoff to be caliber a, talent. Yes, but they are not a playoff team right now. Sure, sure. And we can debate that till the cows come home. I don't really want to debate that at this moment. But I do think that I, I do think that they're I don't I, they're not gonna be a bottom of the half team by the end of the year. I think that they're at the very least gonna be a top half of the league team. I don't, what does that mean to you? They might finish number sixteen <laughs> in terms of statistics. In terms, no, of I was going to say record. I was going to say record, but we, it, I. So they're missing yeah, the playoffs know. by this that much. much. Yeah, it's going to be close. <laughs> Regardless, that was my favorite game. Okay, okay, yeah, it was that was my favorite game uh, as well. But uh, I actually take away a very different opinion than you do in terms of like I think that shows that they're not that great of a team i think as and there are plenty of coaches that don't do it right but you want your team to come out and do well at the bat right because that's what you can spend an entire week scripting for um um totally blanking on on his name right now matt Matt nagy was really good at having the beginning of games go the way he wanted to but then when the team corrects and then you fall on your face and then on the most pivotal moment you run a god-awful route where your guys are going the same area and then one's going to cut into the other. Now, I will say uh, I think that's kudos on the defensive back of Kansas City for jamming at him so well that he couldn't get off to be the go route that was supposed to be in front of Hunter Renfro. But still, I don't think that was good calling anyways when you needed to pick up three yards and you decide to go for a, a bomb down the field although that is what had worked previously i guess so but who am i to say uh and also this whole thing like i i just i hated the two-point conversion it made no sense it made no sense. i don't i don't know if i could say it made no sense i think it made sense to me i think it makes sense but you disagree with it. How, I think it why, makes sense. Why does it make sense? It, I mean, it, it makes sense that, first of all, I think there was still four minutes left there in the like game. There was like four minutes yeah. and 25 so, seconds. So there is every chance in the world that this quick strike offense of the Kansas City Chiefs can score immediately and you're going to get the ball back no matter what. So if that's your mindset, then you say, let's go for two now. Because if we do, then we're in the lead and then they have to press and we can maybe force them into a mistake. If we don't get it, we're probably going to get the ball back anyway because they're going to score no matter what. So then all we need is a field goal to win. that's not the mindset. That if, if And I think that's what happened, which gave the fortunate opportunity for Vegas to get the ball back. But if Kansas City's already in the lead, they're not going to try to score. They're going to try to run out the clock. Sure, but then what happened happened. Like, you take that into account. And so what they took into account happened. Like you just said, they were like, okay, if we don't get it then, right? I just explained that if they did get it, if they don't get it, then they're just going to try to run the clock out so we don't have to play as hard of a defense because we're just going to stop the run, which they weren't doing well already in the game. Jerick McKinnon had a couple of nice runs, but other than that, they weren't really doing it well. So they were like, you know what? If we force them into do that, which they haven't been doing very well, and they're not known for doing that well, then we have a better chance of stopping them and getting the ball back anyway. But what's the point of doing that? So you're saying, so if they go up by one point, then Kansas City has to go down and score at least a field goal, if not a touchdown, which is kind of the example that you set, that they're a quick score off, and so they're going to score a touchdown anyways. So then, as Vegas, you need to score a touchdown yourself. It's not a field goal game at that point, so it's the same as taking the tie to guarantee that you're not losing. Well, no, because I think that, and this is this is where the crux, I think, of the argument is, is that if it's a tie, 
then Kansas City can milk the clock, kick the field goal, and it's over. By forcing it to be a one-point differential, but I don't think you're you get forcing to, yourself— You don't get to use that argument for both sides. You don't get to say that they're tied so Kansas City can milk the clock, but they're losing so Kansas City can't milk the clock. No, 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 no. That's not—I'm sorry. That is what you said. Oh, okay, okay, never mind. I was misunderstanding. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> I just— the thing is, I get it that you want to have the lead, right? That is the point. The ultimate point is to win the game, and you do that by sure, having the sure, lead. Sure, of course. But with that much time, if there's 25 seconds, yeah, go for it. Go for the win. I love when coaches do that. It's risky. We saw Brian it. Dable did it earlier in the year, and, it and we've seen it pay off. And we saw it bite Jim Har or John Harbaugh a couple times in the butt last year. But it's exciting, so I get it in that circumstance. But if you're saying Kansas City, you need to go make a score to win the game regardless. And but so everyone's talking that oh, Vegas did get the stop of Kansas City anyway, so like they can do it. But Kansas City wouldn't have played the game that way had they been down. They would have been more aggressive. They definitely would have gone for it on fourth down. Uh so just being like, "Oh, they did get the stop, so it didn't matter." Like that's not how the game would the game script would have been different. Like you can't project and forecast what would have happened based on what really did happen. I Anyways, I don't I think. Was, yeah, I no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're crazy. I understand you. I still like the decision, and, and you know, maybe it, it's maybe it's why it's not why I'm not a coach. It's because I don't have connections, and I'm not a rich white guy. <laughs> um, but uh, if I were a head coach, I would be that way. So you would fire me. But I maybe, definitely, yeah. Maybe, if I was your GM, other coaches which would hire was me. always the was always the deal. If I was the GM, I would put in my word. But I'd be like, yeah, he needs to go now. Get him out of here. What was your? Uh, that was your favorite game too. So I'm glad. We spent, uh, it, it I'm glad we was, talked about it. I will say, uh, just for for also the sake of conversation, the Chargers Browns game, which was a Palace pick game, uh, came down to the wire. It was actually there was another controversial fourth down call where I thought Brand Staley was Brand Staley for the first time in quite a while, and it looked really really dumb. I think they deserved to lose the game off of that, but that was a very exciting back and forth game. It was, and I, I will say I didn't get to watch a lot of all the games because I was at work on Sunday, uh, which is fine. So I'm looking forward to not having to do that this week. Regardless, uh, so I have this marked as most confusing game and didn't realize that it was also the most confusing prompt on the rundown. <laughs> so I'm just going to highlight another game, and I'm going to highlight Falcons at Bucks. I don't understand anything about the outcome of this game because I thought the, the Falcons were going to win. I thought it was going to be an upset. And I still feel like it should have been an upset with the bogus uh, roughing the passer call on Tom Brady, a call that almost everybody in the entirety of sports media and beyond has agreed only Tom Brady gets. And it's not the first time we've seen that happen. Uh, Derek Carr. Got I'm just one, saying, so. yeah, that's he kind of, but I'm just saying that. What do you mean he kind no, of? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not even talking. Sorry. I, sure. Yes. I don't want to get it off track. <laughs> I'm saying it's not the first time that we've seen it happen for Tom Brady. Is that it, Brady's gotten these calls a lot, especially later in his career. I even pointed out the one in the t title game against Green Bay a few years ago. I but will say, um, I'm sorry. I do want to. I've actually seen some t statistics that that is not true, where for the amount of games versus the amount of snaps and the penalties that Brady has, Brady actually has a fairly low amount of roughing the pass or penalties more so that i think is important because i do i completely agree with you like you said you were about to bring up an example that i said it's the timing of those examples that it either extends it in his favor or will end it for him so i always i find that very interesting because it really does happen in pivotal moments not getting a lot 
but it just seems to be head scratching moments. And again, who, nobody knows. But the Bucks came out, scored tw- first of all, struggled to start, and then eventually got on track and were up twenty-one and nothing earlier. I think it, I thought I think it was twenty-one nothing before the half. I could be wrong about that. But then in the second half, the foul- it was thirteen to zero. Okay, and and they scored in the third quarter to make it twenty-one nothing. And then in the end of the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, fifteen nothing Falcons. The Bucks could not stop the run game. They could not stop the read option against Marcus Mariota. Drake London had a handful of great grabs. They were and they're doing this all without Kyle Pitts, who I know fantasy wise hasn't been that great, but Kyle Pitts is still one of the better tight ends in the league and still makes pivotal catches and still is a great blocker and still a weapon that you have to account for so the 15 nothing in the in the near the end of this game and it did not look like they were going to be able to be stopped they get the stop grady jarrett great sack and then there is the penalty so again i just i don't know if we learned anything about either teams because i still think that the bucks are posers and we'll learn about that you know, as we go forward, uh, they got, I think they're playing the Steelers this week. So it's not like we're really worried about that. Please, Mike Tomlin, make me look like a fool. Knock on wood. <laughs> but yeah, that was the game that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I don't know if that means that the Bucks are posers. I mean, I think we just have, I don't even, I don't want to say it this way. We have an expectation because last year they put up 40 and, 12 out of the 17 games like so they're not that team anymore but that doesn't mean they're posers if anything it makes me more worried about atlanta because you can't bank and make your nfl season on on fourth quarter comebacks which we've seen almost every single week this week and this is the time that i was finally rooting for the falcons not in this game specifically but i was like yeah like this falcons team with the south and the state that it is like this could definitely like they could do this but like it's so I mean like I hear you that it's confusing but I feel like this is kind of the way that I saw this game going um because I don't think the Bucks defense is this unstoppable force I mean I think they clamp down um but they'll also I mean they'll give up some things uh and some plays and some points and you know they waited to the final 15 minutes to do it but if you do if you pitch a shutout for 45 minutes you'll take that more often than not it's a good point it's a good so, point uh, the game that I find confusing um, was the the Lions game against the Patriots, and I said, uh, in, in actually, Pals, that's a great example. In Pal's picks, like I thought that they'd bring a different kind of physicality to the defense, so the number one scoring offense uh, up to that point wasn't going to win the game. But I didn't expect it to be a shutout. So if I were to say uh, a confusing game, that's it for me. Um, because I don't think anybody saw that coming. I actually based like on on our our pick'em pool, a lot more people picked the Patriots than I was expecting, uh, which made me feel not super great for my opinions. Um, but I mean, the it, it just wasn't that pretty. So we finally saw Jared Goff of of old, if you want to call it that. He didn't obviously throw a touchdown, but he, he completed just barely over fifty percent of his passes, barely cracked two hundred yards. Had an interception, uh, the running game that we were all hyping up, and they were still missing DeAndre Swift, but Jamal Adams didn't look like that bothered him at all against Seattle, and he was running wild, but he had under four yards of carry. Uh, so, 
obviously there were a, a lot of missing pieces. I don't want to say because Amon Ra did play, but I still think he's at full percent. And I would I would agree with that. Yeah, uh, he only had 18 yards on on a handful of catches, so that was not the Amon Ra that we saw. T.J. Hawkinson coming off his career day had one catch for six yards, so I just really expected them to be able to move the ball somewhat. So that was confusing to me, and so now I'm just curious as to what the real Lions is because I don't know if if it's the first four weeks. I don't think it's this, but I also don't think it's sustainable for them to be what they were. So it no, has to be yeah, somewhere in the yeah. middle. It's I'm, somewhere, I'm really curious to see what that will look like. It's somewhere like. in the middle, in my opinion, and I think it's closer to what they started as. It's a good offense. They've got a lot of good weapons. Um, and they just ran into the pats. But yeah, I, it was very confusing to me as well that the number one scoring offense just got absolutely punched in the mouth. And I was ready to be like, yeah, the pats suck, but maybe they don't. So <laughs> regardless, uh, uh, real quickly before we do our little Thursday night thing, because you're probably listening after Thursday night was over. But I just wanted to point out a game that I think uh, is going to end up being very, very important in the grand scheme of things at the end of the season. And I'm going Colts at the Broncos. I think that it's going to be very important for both teams because the Broncos will have lost another AFC matchup and a close one that they probably should have won. Um, That's, again, I don't have the Broncos in the playoffs, so I think that's going to matter for them. But I think it's going to matter more for the Colts now, 2-2-1, to able to win a disgusting game like that. And now they're not first in the AFC South right now because the Titans are 3-2, and if I'm not mistaken. So they're not first right now in the standings, but I think down the line, having won this game will benefit them greatly down the line. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I still don't think it matters. Like you said, they didn't deserve to win the game. Matt Ryan looked so bad yet again. He threw two interceptions, uh, 250 yards, but he just, I think the 250 yards is actually kind of, generous because it didn't feel like a 250 yard game you can correct me if you think i'm wrong i don't think you're wrong i don't think you're wrong but i didn't i don't think you're wrong it just doesn't i don't know and like this is i was so excited and i know like we went back and forth on our bet last week but like i expected better i think the denver defense is just really good i think that the denver defense is just a really good defense and i you know, I'm a delusional human being, so that's why I have not lost faith in Matt Ryan, but I have not lost faith in Matt Ryan. <laughs> uh, so I have two things to throw out real quickly is in terms of most important games. Uh, the number one answer is also staying with the AFC South, and it is the Jaguars losing to the uh, Houston Texans. So the Houston Texans officially got their first win in the column. They weren't... They had their tie in week one against those Colts. But, uh, you know, I'd come on a couple times and I had talked up the Jaguars and said that they seem to be moving on the right track. And I still feel like they are. But this is a team or this was a game that I think they definitely wanted to have circled as the win for terms. Probably surprised most people. Nobody picked them, especially in our pool. Of, of winning uh, their division, if that is their. I mean, that's ultimately always the goal, right, is to win your division first and then worry about the rest. Um, so I think that will hurt in terms of that. Um, so that's that game. And then the the news that we haven't even talked about, we haven't even 
mention this in terms of the most important is the San Francisco Carolina game, which ultimately resulted in Matt Rule being fired. So we came on finally two weeks ago and talked about the first coach to be fired, and we uh, all pretty much unanimously agreed that it was going to be Matt Rule. I didn't know if it was going to be two weeks after we talked about it. I did not think it was going to be two weeks after we talked about it, but after all the numbers that dropped about him, I'm surprised it wasn't sooner. <laughs> did Matt, yeah. Rule, Matt Rule finished 1-27 in, in games where the opponent scored 17 or more points. 1-27, in 27, 17. The Chicago Bears are averaging 17 points a game this year. So he could have played the Chicago Bears 28 times and only won once. It's disgusting. <laughs> Uh, so there, there's a lot going on there with that organization. I, they also released a couple other assistant coaches, including their defensive coordinator. Um, his last name is Snow. I don't know his first name, uh, which I'm a little bit surprised about because I think their defense has actually played pretty well during this time. It's something that was the reason you picked them to win the division because of the feisty young defense. Um, so I certainly hope that that doesn't regress because of, of a coaching change. Um, it, it may kind of. Uh, right a wave this year but i think hopefully getting a new coach will help continue to elevate that talent did they fire ben mcadoo because they should have uh i didn't see anything about ben mcadoo well that sucks i hate that <laughs> steve wilkes in as interim head coach uh we all know him from his time with the arizona cardinals with the josh rosen year he went three and 13 that year the josh rosen year so uh it's you know Obviously, they're looking for leadership because that's what he's going to bring because he obviously didn't bring an impressive head coaching resume, but you're looking for somebody that's done it before to to ride these waves, to to know how to talk to the press, to handle those things and whatnot. I mean, it'd be great to see Steve Wilkes kind of turn it around. I don't think that means like they go on this impressive run, but I'd like to see him do well because... I thought Steve Wilkes was fired prematurely, and there's a whole bag of worms that go into all those sorts of conversations and whatnot, but I'd certainly like to see him uh, prove that he deserves an opportunity. Yeah, and I the only reason I didn't recall Carolina this week was A, because I wanted to talk about Tucker, and B, because I'm hiding because I don't want to pick the books. So <laughs> let's just ignore that. Uh, let's do a quick Thursday night thing. So you're probably listening to this episode after Thursday night game already happened. So I thought it might be fun to do what I entitled on our show doc, uh, Time Machine, and just be like, wow, can you believe such and such happened? Through the Time Machine. Whoa. Whoa. That was pretty good. Uh, so I'm going to say, wow, can you believe Justin Fields had two rushing touchdowns on Thursday night? Which paled in comparison to Carson Wentz's four passing touchdowns. I thought you were going to say rushing touchdowns. <laughs> I was like, dude, calm down. Uh, I will say that the the Thursday night numbers on Carson Wentz are very, very good. And I'm still starting Carson Wentz. So, wow, can you believe I wasn't sad that Carson Wentz was my starting quarterback this week? Whew. Uh, I'm also really happy with how David Montgomery performed. And you just got him for free in our fantasy league because someone dropped him. Because that's so smart, Chase. <laughs> Chase doesn't li- Chase doesn't listen to our show. It's fine. But yeah, I can't believe that even though Carson Wentz has had such great numbers in the game and in the week that. Those two rushing touchdowns of Justin Fields were just enough for the Chicago Bears to win. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think you're definitely wrong there. I normally am, and that's fine. <laughs> so let's move on. For that. that was kind of fun, actually. Uh, all right. So without further ado, it's time for... Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. Give them the update. Yeah, so we finally looked... Uh... 
good last week. We both went three and zero in our pals picks, uh, so we're both oh, yeah. sitting at eight and seven. It is the first time since you've never been above five hundred. Wow. It's the first time since week one that I've been above 500. <laughs> we're, first of all, we're really smart. Second of all, I also want to point out, though, that so we I went 3-0, and which means that outside of Pal's Picks games last week, I was 6-7 and in picks. So that's pretty <laughs> gross. I'm just saying we're, we're picking. Yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so the first game. So this is actually uh, a little fun tidbit, if you will. This is a game in our pick and pool that I have not clicked the box yet because I might just do the opposite of whatever you say here. So the Patriots are heading to Cleveland to take on the Browns. So this is a fascinating game. We talked about the Patriots and we've talked about the Browns before. And I think that if Bill Belichick can shut down the Lions offense, I think he's not going to have that hard time shutting down the Browns offense. I'm going to pick the Pats in this game. Oh. And I think I think that that is going to be a factor. But the biggest thing for me is my fantasy darling running back, Ramondre Stevenson, finally is going to be a full three-down back. I think Ramondre is going to have an uncanny performance this week. If you're into daily fantasy, I don't care how much he costs – Play Ramondre Stevenson. I'm going Pats. So you are still riding the the Zappy train. Yeah, listen, I think Bailey Zappy is not a world beater or anything. I think Mac Jones is still better probably right now. But I like a lot of what I've seen from Zappy, especially when he was forced into action after Brian Hoyer went down. I like that he stepped up and was ready to go. And, you know, I he threw a pick last week but he also threw a touchdown and he moved the ball along with that run game and Ramondre Stevenson so yeah I I like Zappy and this is what Bill Belichick likes to do have a quarterback that doesn't make a ton of mistakes and have a running back that's awesome and a defense that shuts the opponent down all right I appreciate you helping me pick that game as well uh here we go your world beater colts having the jags come to them so it's gonna be the colts and i'm just gonna let to spend the next 30 seconds telling you why it's the colts so the jags while they're a good team and i like a lot of what they have are still inexperienced and the colts are nothing but experienced and i talked about this on thursday night with our our friend mike who was on the show earlier i he asked me he said he believed the colts are one of the worst teams in the league and i was like this happens with the frank reich team every single year he has a new quarterback they struggle out of the gate and then they streak and then they go crazy right and to be two two and one as your slump and struggling out of the gate is phenomenal so this is the start of the streak man they're gonna come out matt ryan's gonna look way better than he did on thursday night and they're gonna win this game now i don't know which running backs are playing but i don't think it really matters i think that Dion. Jackson looked very good, and if Naeem Hines is still in concussion protocol, that's unfortunate, but I think Deion Jackson is just fine, and I think that, you know, there's an outside chance Jonathan Taylor plays, and especially if he plays, I feel fine, but I feel like this is going to be a statement win for the Colts, and people are going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the Colts team that we thought. I'll challenge you on this, talking about the inexperience versus the experience. It didn't matter week two when they shut him out, sacked Matt Ryan five times, and he threw three picks. That veteran leadership didn't show up then. Just yeah, but they're in Indy now, so they're fine. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, I raved about him at the beginning of the show. The Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith are hosting Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. 
Give me Geno Smith to lose this game oh. at home against the Cardinals. So I actually, yes, this was one of the harder games that I was like, there were three games on the schedule that I was like, don't make me pick this game. Please don't make me pick this game. This was one of the three, and I legitimately struggled with this one. But I I just think that while Geno has been excellent and he deserves all of the credit that He's getting, and he deserves all the praise that you lauded at the top of the show. This defense is not good. It's just not good. They have some pieces that are fun and young. Oh, you talked about Nwosu, a guy that you said was going to be a breakout star. Boy, were you right about that. He's been great. But it's just not a good defense. And Kyler Murray is in, and Hollywood Brown have uh, – Kyler Murray has been eh, back and forth, but he still has had – those amazing Kyler plays and Hollywood Brown's been awesome. So, and Zach Ertz is the number four fantasy tight end right now. That doesn't mean anything. Whatever. <laughs> um, regardless, the, this offense has weapons. This offense has Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown. I don't see a scenario in which the Seattle Seahawks stop Kyler from sc- putting up 25, 30 points. And while I think Geno and that offense could probably put up that amount of points, I would put more money on the handful of defensive players for the Cardinals making more stops than the Seattle defense does. So I will ask you, so you're taking the Cardinals. Yes, I am taking the Cardinals. You think they're going to put up more points than they have? This will be the highest scoring game for them so far this year. I sure do, man. Okay, okay. Very cool, very cool. Seattle's a bad defense think that an undersized linebacker in Jordan Brooks is going to meet an undersized quarterback in Kyler Murray for uh, a pretty epic sack. Well, and we That's know what I'm looking for. And what we game. do know for sure, there's a lot we don't know for sure. We know for sure it won't be called roughing the passer. <laughs> All right, very good. So you're taking the Patriots over the Browns, the Colts at home over the Jags and the Cardinals uh, traveling to the 12th man to take on and beat the Seattle Seahawks. I sure did. Another 3 and a week coming for both of us. So here are my three games for you. I didn't write them down, so I don't remember what order I said them in. But this was the first The first game I'm giving you is the game, that number one, that I said, do not give me this game. I don't want to pick <laughs> this game. The Cincinnati Bengals traveling to the New Orleans Saints. They're both 2-3. and three. Yes, this is a 1 o'clock game on Sunday, October 16th. I have no idea who to pick, so you pick them. Yeah, um, this actually I don't think is is not super difficult for me. I feel pretty confident and comfortable taking the Bengals in this one, although I just erased them on the official Pals Picks page. I'm um, taking the Bengals. This is uh, not a location that Joe Burrow is afraid to play in. He's played uh, probably the if in terms of success, his biggest game of his career here because he won the the game there in the Superdome and in Louisiana. So he's comfortable there. There might be more Joe Burrow fans there than there are Saints fans. I'll say that. You know, that's actually a really good point. So I and, and it comes down to injuries and health right now for me because there's a lot going on in this game. Uh, Jameis is uh, limited in practice right now, but Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are not practicing. Uh, T. Higgins is also not practicing, so I think that is kind of. Uh, uh, I'm starting Curtis Samuel in Thursday Night Football, which, by the way, wow, I can't. I'm so happy that Curtis Samuel caught one of those touchdowns one of those that you four said. Touchdowns. Yeah, but I'm doing it because I'm afraid of T. Higgins' injury. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Totally understand. Um, but when it comes down to it, I'll, I'll say this: I think the Seahawks should have won last week. The Bengals are not going to let 
Taysom Hill break off 60-yard run after 60-yard run after 60-yard run. It's just not going to happen. That's not sustainable. Taysom Hill is a fabulous football player. We've talked about him a lot. He's very exciting. But what happened last Sunday just cannot continue to happen, and I think the Bengals will clamp down on that because in retrospect, they did a pretty good job of limiting Lamar Jackson, who is just a more athletic version of Taysom Hill. So they're not going to be like, oh, we contain Lamar Jackson, but we're going to let Taysom Hill run 80-yard touchdowns. It's just not going to happen. Well, you helped me, or I helped you with uh, Pat's Lions. You just helped me with Bengals Saints. So thanks. <laughs> um, which means we both helped each other in the wrong direction. It's fine. Game number two. This is a, a game that I actually think is going to be a great game. Sure. But for some reason, everybody thinks the Giants are posers. So the Giants hosting the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of people are thinking this is a Ravens blowout. I'm not so sure. This is another game I didn't want you to give me. So Ravens oh, at Giants. Yeah. So for for and obviously Mike came on and said it. And but people are saying that the Giants are posers, which I don't understand. I think we're getting too caught up right now this year with name recognition. So the Giants have been bad for so long, and Daniel Jones isn't an exciting quarterback, and he's not an upper echelon quarterback, but that's not how the Giants are winning games right now. And if anything, they are winning games because of Daniel Jones, what we've always said he can do, and that's running the football. Because Daniel Jones, I mean, Daniel Wheels. Uh, Saquon is is certainly showing some pep in his step again, which is great to see, and they're winning with defense. So I don't get why people are like, this is a fake team, because it's it's not. And I hated that people were like, this is an easy upset game for, or like, this is an upset game that the Packers lost. I was like, I don't think it's an upset game. Like, this is a team that is playing good football right now. So I don't think it's a blowout. I will say I'm picking the Ravens because I do think for all intents and purposes, they are the better team. And what the Ravens are doing well on defense right now, while they are giving a lot of yards, they're forcing those turnovers, right? And we know that, in history's past, not so much this year, which has been great, but the Giants have been in turnover prone. So I do think the Ravens defense will capitalize on that. I'm going to take the Ravens on the road. I think I probably agree with you. I will say this. The Giants... It's not a blowout. No, it's definitely not going to be a blowout. The Giants are a sneaky team to watch to add a receiver before. If they continue on the track that they are, and if they are actually in contention for both the division title and the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to go get a receiver for this team. But... I will also remind people. That's interesting. I feel like they have good receivers. They're just hurt right now. Sure, but I will also remind people that this same thing happened with Buffalo. So it's Joe Schoen, the assistant GM of of Brandon Bean and Buffalo, left. And Brian Dayball, of course, the offensive coordinator, left. So it's a similar regime. The same thing happened at Buffalo in the first regime of Bean and McDermott is that we overachieved in the first year when we were stripping everything away and trying to get draft picks and cap space to build to where we are. So it's also very possible that they are just a surprise team this year and that they still look to trade away and strip down to add picks and cap space. So, But I, again, I do think it'll be a good game. So last but not least, let's just do it. Let's go. Cowboys Eagles. I said I I was gonna stay away from it, but I loved what Mike had said on the show, and I think it is a hard game to pick. But I don't think you yeah. think that, so I'm tossing it to you. Oh, so I feel pretty confident in the Eagles in this one because I this even, is even if Dak plays, or you just feel confident I don't Dak's think not Dak, gonna play. I don't think Dak's gonna okay. Play. I I understand that. Um, but regardless, I think 
Yeah, I would still pick the Eagles because I think this is similar to what I just said in terms of people tossing aside the Giants. People are getting too caught up in name recognition of success in the past. Right now, the Bengals and the Rams, which is the two marquee wins that the Dallas Cowboys have had, right? They're like, oh, they're going to lose to those teams. Those teams aren't world beaters right now. They're both experiencing Super Bowl hangovers. So we get it. The name is sexy to be like, oh, the Bengals were just in the Super Bowl. They're going to beat the Cowboys. They scored 17 points. Oh, the Rams. Like, they're the Rams have looked pretty bad for more football than they have of good football this year. And that's not taking anything away from the Cowboys. I think it's a testament to the Cowboys as a whole organization, a whole team versus just their quarterback because it's a team, their offensive line, their defensive line is doing great, but they're still making mistakes. Cooper Cup was still Cooper Cup and Trayvon Diggs tried to do what Trayvon Diggs did and gave up a 70-yard touchdown. So I, I feel very confident in the Eagles because I think this defensive front is going to challenge the offensive line of the Cowboys in a way that hasn't necessarily been done quite yet in terms of of the de- uh in f- terms of defensive uh challenges for for the Cowboys. And I think the same will go for the Philadelphia offensive line. Like Mike said, this is a great battle of fronts that is really exciting. It could and really probably will be one of the better parts of the games that people won't pay attention to because they don't get the recognition and talk. Yeah, about it'll be one of those things where like, oh, this is an ugly game. But if you're watching the fronts, you're gonna be like, wow, th- these fronts are crushing it. So with that being said, I think that they will do a fairly good job of, of managing things. Um, I, I, I feel pretty confident that the Eagles are going to win. I picked okay, the Eagles I to think win I, the division. Yeah, and I think we, I, that this is the I think, reason why. I think we did. I don't know what I Pretty positive that you did as well. Regardless, just to recap, you went Philly against the Cowboys. You took the Bengals on the road in the Superdome against the Saints, pointing out that maybe it's not a road game for Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, and then you, in a close game, the Ravens over the 4-1 and one Giants. That was Pals Picks, sponsored by pens, Apple pens being dropped on the floor wow. in the middle of segments. So uh, I do have to do a pre-show speech. So I have to leave in a minute here because I was also asked to be early. But I ha- I had two cold reads. What I'm going to do is I'm going to toss you my first cold read. You Great. can take the cold read, and then you can round it out with Fantasy Corner and whatever else you want. It's simultaneous catch. All right. We possess the show simultaneously. Yikes. So my one of my cold reads is going to be about these Giants, right? They're 4-1. and one, And I what I wanted to do is I wanted you to take a look at their schedule and walk through Walk me through where do you think this team is going to end up, right? Because they're 4-1. We both think they actually are a pretty good team. I don't know if they're, you know, actually in contention to win this division like the Eagles and the Cowboys when Dak comes back are. So what I wanted you to do is walk through the schedule and think, and, and you don't have to give a solid prediction, but where what, what kind of win total do they end up with and if you think that's enough for them to make the postseason. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to sign you want off, me to guys. literally just say yeah, every I, game? Well, you can just go through and pick a couple of wins here and be like, I think these are wins for them. So I think they're 9, 10, 11 win, right, is, okay. is feasible. Okay. Um, I'm going to sign off here, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check the Run Your Pool. Josh is winning. We can't let him get away with this. But regardless, on my end, thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch. God bless. You're in good hands with Joshua Lapping.
There we go. So talking about the New York football giants uh, picked against them in the Baltimore Ravens. But after that, their stretch of games does not look overly intimidating at all. They could possibly run that sweep for the next month or so. So they do play the Jaguars. They play the Seahawks. They play the Texans and the Lions. I won't say they're going to go 4-0, but I think they can pretty... I feel very confident they can go 2-2 two and two during that. So I'm going on the conservative side there. So in their next... Five games. I see. I will say that they are two and three. So that brings their total to six and four. Uh, heading into a rematch with the Cowboys on November twenty fourth. I'll say they probably lose that one. Although they played them pretty well, uh, and we'll see what the state of those teams looks like at that at that point. Um, I'm pretty positive that is that. No, never mind. Uh, so then that would put them at six and five. So they're getting a little closer to 500 in this scenario if they do go and perform that two and two where I could see them going the four and0. Oh. Uh, the Washington Commanders, uh, they play uh, four divisional teams uh, within that four week stretch starting with the Cowboys. So they have the commanders coming to their house. I think they win that one. Uh, so that puts them at, I think I have them at 7-5 and five at that point. The Eagles come there. Um, I think the Eagles win the division, so I'll take them there. That puts them at 7-6. and six. Um, I think they probably beat the Commanders there on the second match, but I don't know. It would be pretty tough. Um, they'll be playing for the second time in two weeks. Uh, I could see the Commanders winning that one. Uh, so we'll have to see then the Vikings, the Colts, and the Eagles finish it out. Um, yeah, so I could see this team going anywhere between nine and seven or eleven and five, in my opinion. And I think in the state of the NFC right now, that is definitely enough to get in the playoffs. So we'll certainly see. I'm not so sure about the nine and seven. It could be close and tight at that point. It could come down to tiebreakers, which obviously having one over Green Bay at this point is already important and they've done a pretty good job uh within the nfc they also have wins over the bears and the panthers so those points will work in their favor so definitely in my opinion can make it to the playoffs whether or not they uh perform well in the playoffs or they prove to be a truly dominant team that's yet to be seen but i think i am not in the this team is not legitimate category at all i think they have a really ferocious defense that's getting after the quarterback and their cornerback play has been pretty darn legitimate like i said maybe not sexy names uh adory jackson that's no one's like oh that's the number one corner in the league but they're they're just performing well um, so definitely exciting for Giants fans to see that they have some good coaching there that's coaching them up and pumping them up. I think that's really, really, really cool. So that is the, the New York Giants there for you. And now it's time for Fantasy Corner! Um, so we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, riding the waves and getting there. So we have we've stabilized a little bit we're above 500 so we're at six and four which is technically if you're not playing the medium game we are two and three um so we are coming off a win last week um where where we cleared cleared the medium and whatnot we've won two weeks in a row so things are stabilizing a little bit uh talking about the the state of the team and this is something i've been really thinking about and i think it's gonna be really difficult so we pick Najee harris with our, our number one overall pick 
last uh, early on in the year, and it is not panning out right now. So I'm, I'm thinking and trying to rack my brains as to if we can possibly get a trade partner here to go on or whatnot. The road is not going to get easier uh, from here on out. They play Tampa this week. Like Adam said, Tampa's coming to Pittsburgh. That can be tough um, and whatnot. So I don't know. Last week I very much sat Adam down and was like, hey, I think we need to talk about benching Najee Harris in terms of where we would have been was starting Raheem Mostert. And he's like, I don't like that. Mostert played very, very well. 18 carries for a buck 13 and a touchdown. Caught one pass for nine yards. And he was like, I just don't think that's exciting. Like, we caught, we've got to play Najee. Like, he's our guy. It's, uh, but I think in fantasy, what is really important to me is not to get caught up with, quote-unquote, excitement of a name. You need to get caught up, or you need to focus on, I should say, on production and efficiency versus name recognition and what may be exciting. I think you need to go with what is actually producing. So I don't know. It's something I've been racking my brain with. i got to talk to Adam about it because no one, I don't think, is going to take Najee Harris on just face value and get something good in return. You're going to have to lose some quote-unquote value to get there, right? But I don't know what that means. I don't know if you package him with somebody else like a DK Metcalf or Curtis Samuel, maybe one of those two. Maybe Curtis Samuel catches two of those Carson Wentz touchdowns I talked about tonight and you'll get a little more um, excitement there. I don't know. We'll have to see because we are going into another matchup where it's very, very close right now, but I just don't know if I see Najee Harris continuing to do well. So we'll certainly talk about that and we'll figure out the the, the lineup that we want right now. I do have to tip my cap to Adam, though, um, when we were talking about adding a defense because we did not want the Pittsburgh Steelers defense against Buffalo, and obviously that was a great payoff. He suggested the Baltimore Ravens because of those turnovers that I talked about earlier, and they did a very nice job, turnovers and sacks, against the, the, the Bengals last week. So they had three sacks, they had an interception, so they've had at least one sack in every game this week or this year. Uh, three times that they've had three sacks, and we'll we'll see what happens against the New York Giants here. I think we're gonna I'm gonna comfortably keep them there um, because I think that they will have some turnovers in that win against the Giants this week. So uh, a fantasy player that I very much like this week. Um, let me think a quick second about it, and I am going to go with who do I really like this week. Uh, this is kind of tough. I will say a player I feel very confident in, and if you have him, uh, definitely get him into your lineups, is Leonard Fournette. Um, Leonard Fournette up to this year has not performed at what he was doing last year, but he really turned a corner, I think, in Atlanta last week. Uh, and obviously it was uh, it was a weird game. Like Adam said, it was the most confusing game of the week for him. But Leonard Fournette had 11 targets, 10 catches, but beyond that, because I don't think you can put things in a vacuum to really think about it for just one week, right? I think you need to look at a sample, a body of work. And the last two weeks prior to that, he did have 13 targets. So he's starting to get those targets a little bit more often. So against Pittsburgh, who has shown a little bit susceptibility against the run, uh, I, I'm, I would fire up Leonard Fournette if you have him, uh, if you can get him in there. Absolutely, that is a play to go. I feel very confident about that. So Leonard Fournette, get him going, everybody. There we go. So that is Fantasy Corner. 
Um, yeah, and then uh, I won't give a friend's fortune for this one because it's not—it's just not fun if you don't have the friend to, to fortune it with. So everybody, I'll just say thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks for your support and and all that good stuff. We hope you are enjoying the show. Follow us on social media, Simultcatch at Instagram. That is the place to be. Uh, join the pig and pool, although it's going to be pretty tough if you haven't done it yet. But if you are in it, sometimes people still don't make their picks. So if you are in it, uh, remember to make your picks. Although I won't complain if I, I win... Uh, clothing apparel of my choice although i will say from years ago i still haven't gotten clothing apparel that i am owed so i don't really put too much stock in that sort of stuff but anyways uh it's a fun thing to do uh and it just is fun to show off what you think and see what other people think and create those conversations based off that so absolutely make your picks and if you haven't uh, maybe you're not going to win but like i said it's fun to do and to track how you're doing and see how smart you are at the nfl game Everybody, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy week six, the first of the bye weeks. Uh, so if your team's uh, taking it easy, you know, you can't lose. So that, that's a cool thing. Everybody, we'll see you next week.